All right, tonight is Wednesday, August 18th, 2021. It's the Fantasy Finish Line podcast, and tonight we're going to dive into quarterback controversies and draft strategies. song dave this is a summer song you can't use it when the summer turns you're right but it's still summer currently okay preseason summer training camp they all go together so i'm still good for like i don't know when does summer end when football <sighs> begins when well either labor day <laughs> or like september 21st fair enough it depends on how meteorological you like to be not so not so meteorological okay that's fine so, uh, <laughs> welcome to the show, everyone, uh, watching live or checking us out um, sometime in the future. I am Jason Evans, joined as always by David Biggs. Uh, that music you just heard, uh, the musical stylings of Mr. David Biggs. Very nice, Dave. Uh, all the music you hear during the podcast now is uh, written by Dave. Well, cheers. And then we don't have to worry about musical royalties because uh, I'm the one not getting paid. Yeah, but you know that somebody is going to submit some <laughs> sort of copyright claim on your music. No, they're not. Just, just to try it. Just to try the cease and desist and the, or the get paid. Well, I would love that. Sure. I mean, you know, but you're not a lawyer, so you don't want to fight that. I, I can easily fight it. <laughs> I have all the information that's... that's uh, you have all the originals. I, I welcome it. No worries. Okay. But we are, we are happy to... Bring it on, to, he says. We're happy, trolls. we're happy to uh, have you guys watching today. And uh, for the fantasy football season to have sort of begun with the preseason... And yeah. we, we're sitting here with draft season um, starts very soon with hard knocks and uh, two preseason games behind us. If you count the Hall of Fame game, which I do as a Steelers fan, but not many other people. do. <laughs> Only Cowboys and Steelers fans have two preseason games yeah. behind them so far. Uh, there are more coming, I believe, starting tomorrow night, uh, Thursday the nineteenth, and uh, we've got a draft coming up on Friday, the official start of draft season, if you will. Uh, there's a couple weeks before the real season starts, like maybe three weeks. Yeah, for everybody, uh, I'm sure it's draft time um, over the next couple weeks. If someone's in only one or two leagues, I would expect they draft either the weekend uh, right before or or maybe during the week leading up to that first Thursday game that starts the season. Ideally, yeah. But for those of us like Jason and myself who are in a ton of leagues, uh, we don't have the luxury of doing only that. So a lot of you that are in five, six, seven, eight, or more leagues uh, find yourself drafting all throughout August. Tough life being in six fantasy leagues, let me tell you. Yeah, well, uh, six sounds like uh, uh, six, six sounds like fun to me. I yeah. remember at one point I was uh, at like eleven or twelve, something like that. It's a bit much, but you know, yeah. you do what you, you you suffer for the craft. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, as we said earlier, we're going to go over some quarterback controversies for the majority of the show tonight. Uh, if you've got any questions for us during the show, come to the chat room on YouTube, and uh, we'll do our best to get to them. Hopefully, uh, in you know, some sort of timely fashion when you ask them. But if you ask it, we will do our best to answer it eventually during the show. Uh, if you have questions for us afterwards, you can always tweet us at Drink5. Uh, check us out on Facebook and uh, Instagram. And, um, you know, we will we will get the uh, questions filtered to us and we will respond to you eventually. I love it when he talks social media. Yeah. yeah. I'm so fluent in social media. Yeah, he's, he's all over it. So. Yes. Uh, also, David Drink5.com for myself or Jason at Drink5.com for this guy. Uh, and look at him. He's even wearing uh, official Drink5 gear. 
which will soon have a, a store open in case anybody else wants this uh, this lovely polo or other assorted items or, or pieces of merchandise from our store. Uh, we would appreciate it because we do get a piece of the pie in that particular case. Sure. Yeah, if anybody wants to order uh, shirts up or whatever, we right now have the nice polo. We're looking at uh, getting some, some, some sort of women's shirt in the pipeline, and uh, we'll go from there. So, on to the quarterback controversies tonight. Uh, we'll start with the camp battles. So, there's a few of them that we're going to look at. Winston versus Hill. And uh, the first one, though, is going to be Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. So, this was an interesting game because both of the Broncos quarterbacks looked amazing. Um, I believe Drew Locke threw 5 of 7 for 151 yards and two touchdowns. He had an 80-yard touchdown to KJ Hamler. But the Vikings sat apparently 31 players, which is like... All of the starters and half of the backups, which means that, you know, I don't know how much you can take from this. Obviously, you can only line up and play against whoever the other team is going to put against you. So kudos to the Broncos for doing well when the Vikings put nobody in against them. But again, you know, it's very poor competition. So take all of the Broncos stuff with a grain of salt because, you know, they didn't have to play anybody difficult this past week. Fair. Um, I did like what I saw from Drew Locke in that game. Uh, that pass to KJ Hamler went 55 yards in the air. Uh, so his, I think his deep ball is working really well. Uh, I think that's what they want to develop with him is you know have a very vertical passing game uh, as opposed to Titty Bridgewater, who seems to be uh, more of a dink and dunk kind of guy. Am I right? That, that Bridgewater isn't really a down the field um, kind of passer. I don't know. You know, we, we saw him on uh, on the Vikings and, and then again on the Panthers, but I don't know if we've had enough of a view of him with this particular kind of offensive scheme. I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, but but it, like you're saying, if you, if you feel like Drew Locke is, is coming out as uh, the more aggressive uh, and especially the, the more tuned to the offense quarterback on this particular squad, uh, it makes sense that maybe they would go with him at least for – this particular year um but but Bridgewater has been I don't know would you call him more of a game managing quarterback um yeah I think that that's fair considering he's never thrown more than uh 15 touchdowns in a season he has only two seasons over 3,000 yards passing um his yards per attempt uh is only uh, for his career is only 7.3 so not uh not numbers that blow you out of the water obviously Drew Locke, with a very small sample size, is even worse than that. Um, but I think that Drew Locke was injured last year. Now he's apparently fully healthy. Mm-hmm. So this could be a different kind of quarterback. I think it's, that's the reason why they're still going with him, because they think that you know there's still something there that's yet to be uncovered from Drew Locke. So um, Bridgewater did go 7-for-8 eight for 74 yards. He was even more efficient than Locke, if you can believe it. Uh, both quarterbacks had uh, ratings above 140, and neither of them turned the ball over, so it's exactly what you want to see. Um, unfortunately, the Broncos, I think, are destined to be a bad team this year, mostly because they're in the AFC West, and they are not as good as the Chargers or the Chiefs. They're probably on the same level as the Raiders at the moment, uh, who started Nathan Peterman uh, the entire game, which was very strange. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I, I think that what you're looking at is this. If Drew Locke winds up winning the job, then it's going to bring up the value of guys like Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Noah Fant. If Teddy Bridgewater wins a job, then I think that it's going to benefit Melvin Gordon and possibly Royce Freeman. But right now what's interesting is that Judy, Sutton, Gordon, and Fant all have an ADP for them going in the eighth round for PPR leagues. So they're all sort of good value, uh, but you have to know which one of them is going to wind up being the beneficiary of you know, whatever the quarterback's uh, talents are. Yeah, the Broncos have uh, four seasons, uh, the last four seasons, with losing records. Um, so I, I definitely don't think that, um, that they're going to jump up ahead in some, in some magnificent manner. So, yeah, I like Sutton and Judy to outperform their ADP in the mid-70s, and that's going to happen if Drew Locke wins the job and he stays healthy and you can have that vertical passing offense. If Drew Locke either doesn't stay healthy or if somehow he's not good enough to beat out Teddy Bridgewater for the job, then I think that what you're going to find is, uh, you know, the passing game is sort of mediocre, and one guy might be the guy uh, in in a given week, but it won't be an every week kind of thing. Um, So I think – the way that Drew Locke played in the last game, he will be the starter. Now, they're going to start Teddy Bridgewater in the next game. But we and, have we have a couple more preseason matches. Yeah, and they're yeah. going to probably play both of them for an equal amount of time for the next two matches. So this is a, a battle to keep an eye on. Uh, and then you know that the outcome is either going to be a passing game or more of a game manager style game for the Broncos. And I wouldn't be surprised... If Drew Locke plays poorly in the next two games, that they go with Teddy Bridgewater because uh, with Vic Fangio and a decent defense, like game manager may be all they need to think that they can win eight or nine games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so down in New Orleans, you've got Jameis Winston versus Taysom Hill. I, you know, don't really care for this uh, as a quarterback. It's a weird controversy. It's not necessarily to me a which one of them is going to start. Um, it's a controversy in that it's a new approach. It's not a brand new approach. Obviously, teams have done this in the past, uh, but it's a newish approach to running the quarterback position. In that, like you have Taysom Hill coming in on third downs, you have Taysom Hill coming in at the goal line. I'm guessing that that's going to wind up being what happens. Is that both these guys are going to get a considerable amount of playing time in every single game, and that uh, Jameis Winston is going to probably be. Um, protected a little bit from the situations where he's more prone to throw interceptions and that Taysom Hill is going to be uh, protected from having to do 80 yard drives down the field uh, from having to um, make big throws on first and second down Uh, so I I do think that you're going to see both guys playing all year and that's going to screw with all kinds of fantasy uh, relevance on that team I don't like anyone on that team I would not want to draft even an Elvin Kamara just because Kamara is such a big name he's going to still be taken really early by either someone who isn't paying attention or um, just someone who is drafting him for the name so I would stay away from any Saints in the draft I don't know of anybody who's really a good value right now Uh, and I don't think it matters who winds up at quarterback because um, they're going to wind up Splitting time. Uh, they may not split starts. It may be like Jameis starting most games. Uh, but Taysom Hill is going to be playing a lot. I don't think he's going to have any of the goofy tight end eligibility that he's had in the past. 
I don't think that they'll be on the field at the same time very often. Uh, so I think you're going to wind up with both guys being a quarterback and therefore neither of them being uh, very fantasy relevant because they're going to be, you know, vulturing each other the whole time. Uh, perhaps in a super flex league, one of them will be relevant or both just because in those leagues, especially if there's 12 teams, you have to own all of the quarterbacks anyways. Is that what you've heard so far from uh, from like beat reporters, etc.? It was that they're just going to switch off because I thought one was going to win the battle. I think that no, what I, like what I've heard, uh, and not from beat reporters, is that you know this is what the coaches are saying. But what Sean Payton has always done is use Taysom Hill as like a guy he subs in, and he's going to be way more willing to sub him in now that Drew Brees is not the quarterback for the team. Well, it's a new situation, but I'll agree with you that if, if that ends up being what's happening, it's going to weigh down some fantasy values. But right? Basically the way I look at it is there's almost no way that Taysom Hill can win the starting job outright from a guy like Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston throws the ball well enough uh, to get 5,000 yards in a season and 30 touchdowns. He's way better of a passer than Taysom Hill is. And this is a passing offense. Um, but they're also not paying Taysom Hill to be a backup quarterback. So I, I firmly believe that Jameis Winston is going to be the guy who plays a bit, maybe 60% of the snaps, but then you're going to have Taysom Hill in there a lot. And I think it's going to be like a big rotation, at least to start, and if they have any kind of success, they're going to stick with it. All right. Well, I, 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 I kind of felt like there was going to be one guy winning over the other as opposed to being like the Taysom Hill coming in for rotation with Breeze kind of thing. Yeah. But we'll see. Uh, if, if what you're saying is true, then I, then I agree that the, the, um, the volatility in the fantasy players, the skill positions for that team is going to be off the charts. Uh, I do like Traquan Smith, and I think that he could stand up as the uh, as a good WR2 on that team. And I, I tend to agree with you that at least for the first couple of weeks or several weeks, Michael Thomas isn't even going to be there, right? Because he I had late surgery. Right. Yeah. Uh, I would never shy away from Alvin Kamara, although if his ADP is too high, again, that volatility can come into play. So uh, that's a, an interesting um, way that you, you brought this up. Uh, right now his ADP in uh, PPR leagues is three. It's crazy that, um, that you would consider not taking anyone from the Saints, being that generally they're a pretty high-powered offense. Yes, but, you know, for the last... 10, 12 years they've had a Hall of Fame quarterback running that offense. Mm-hmm. That is not the case anymore. So I think that that, you know, that's a huge question mark now. I don't like Latavius Murray as the backup. I don't like Devonta Freeman as the backup. I feel like Latavius is sort of losing his stranglehold after really bad performance from both of the backups, really. Uh, and, and I don't believe Alvin Kamara even played in that game. So you're not taking Kamara. We get it. We understand. Yeah, definitely not. And I don't <laughs> even want these other guys as late-round backups. You know, I could see a flyer on some of their faster, um, like lower uh, lower on the depth chart guys, like a Marquez Calloway, um, Deontay Harris. But at the same time, they'll probably be available on waivers after week one. So you may not even need to waste a, a pick on them. All right, moving over to uh, some injury issues or uh, possibilities. Uh, a lot of us were talking about Carson Wentz, uh, whether he was down or out or not. At the beginning of August, Carson Wentz had surgery on what Colts coach Frank Reich said was an old injury. 
So he's talking about a broken bone coming loose. Is an injury because Carson Wentz is getting old, or no, <laughs> a bone coming loose in his foot, which is uh, uh, a little bit. Um, it's something that had been repaired many times, and it just probably keeps happening to him. Right. So when you when you find these injuries that uh, are chronic, that continue to happen, or uh, never got repaired correctly, uh, it certainly puts a little distrust on that particular player. Uh, but Carson Wentz uh, was was brought there for a reason to be the the Colts starter. Um, if we look at the timetable, he was originally given by Reich as five to twelve weeks for his full recovery. Uh, over the past few weeks, we've seen Jacob Eason, who was a four uh, fourth round pick in 2020, and Sam Ellinger, which was a sixth round pick this year, uh, sharing first team reps in practice, and both had a chance to showcase their talents in the Colts' first preseason game against the Panthers. Uh, both the quarterbacks were actually pretty good mm-hmm. um, and uh, threw, threw for a combined 338 yards, but no touchdowns. Most of the points in that game came from the kickers, which is something that I'm sure that the coaches weren't really looking to see. <laughs> yeah, they don't need to worry. You can test out kickers on the practice field. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Eason had a fumble that looked preventable, and Ellinger threw an interception directly into coverage. So no stunning performances there to start the season, but thankfully for the Colts, it looks like uh, Wentz is already back at practice without a boot. Uh, the news coming... A boot what? A boot on his foot. <laughs> Uh, a little Canadian humor in there. A boot time to start, Wentz, right? Yes. Um, so uh, looking at the news that was coming out of the practices just uh, today, uh, it looked like Wentz was was trying to pressure himself back into that offense and start throwing passes and moving around in the pocket. Not what the Colts coaches want him to do. Sure, if we learned anything from Hard Knocks, it's that yeah. the quarterback is going to yell at everybody if they're not allowed to play, and nobody actually wants the quarterback to play, but then everybody is also actually really upset that the quarterback is not playing. Right. Fun position to be in. I'd not envy that. <laughs> and according to uh, ESPN's Chris Mortensen, uh, I think that everything is, is predicting that Wentz will start for week one for the Colts, which definitely returns some value to the rest of the offensive starters there. And the other great thing is that another guy with a foot injury, who's uh, Quentin Nelson, yeah. uh, who is uh, protecting Wentz will also be able to basically the same injury apparently. Yeah, foot injury. I'm not sure it was an old bone, but uh, something similar. It's an old bone. <laughs> so it's a sigh of relief for all uh, uh, fantasy football owners in dynasty leagues or redraft leagues alike, or for people that are looking to draft some uh, skill position yeah, players. Yeah, someone who drafted Colts. Jonathan Taylor in last year's dynasty draft. I was not looking forward to a lack of Quentin Nelson and Carson Wentz. Yeah. So. Uh, this is this is much better. But the big question is, uh, will Wentz's uh, previous inconsistencies disappear after moving uh, from the East Coast to the Midwest? Because uh, even though he's gone from a Philadelphia Eagle to an Indianapolis Colt, uh, and even though he has the greater experience uh, and uh, track record as a quarterback, it doesn't mean that he's going to return to form as the starter that he was when he first came into the league. Oh, absolutely. So, remains to be seen. Um Let's talk about some legal issues. Oh, this is, this is going to be fun. Unless you've been living under a rock so far this preseason, uh, probably a good place for social distancing, yeah. which is positive. Uh, you're at least slightly aware of the developing situation with Deshaun Watson. So he's had civil lawsuits from 22 different women relating to using massage therapy appointments as a uh, conduit or connection uh, to sexual harassment and or assault. Now, the latest information from his lawyer, who, put. who just had a press conference uh, either yesterday or today uh, about this very subject, uh, his name is Rusty Hardin. 
I'm sure there's some jokes there, uh, is that Watson is cooperating with the FBI and having conversations about whether at least one of his accusers is committing or has committed extortion in the case. Um, I don't want to talk too much about this, and I don't think you do either, but we can we can easily see where there could be multiple sides to all of these stories. Um, what we I, I think that Jason and I both agree on uh, is that until everything is resolved, uh, there most likely won't be a Deshaun Watson uh, starting as a quarterback in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't know. I hear a lot of people talking about how they don't see him starting this year. So, well, so there's there's possibilities to everything, but it doesn't look likely, especially. Uh, I know that uh, Houston started talking up trades again uh, with Watson, and there was some some rumor mill stuff going on with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Um, and they probably should look into trading for someone like Watson at least sometime in the future, because uh, because their um, uh, their quarterback is is not very good. No, not at all. And uh, <laughs> there I am. And uh, and so Watson has not talked to the NFL yet, as because there hasn't been a request for him to talk to the NFL. The NFL has not asked yet because the NFL doesn't uh, have those conversations according to their rules and guidelines until any possible criminal investigation has concluded. And there currently isn't a criminal investigation, uh, so it's going to be a while. So they still think that. They're leaving the, the window, the opportunity open. Yeah, that's the for point. For there to be one. And, and he hasn't been added to the commissioner's exemption list. You know, like nothing has happened negative to Watson in the NFL other than the fact that he was already cutting ties with Houston. So they're not lining up to have him be their quarterback. I think this is going to be something where in five years we learn what really happened. Because there's got to be something else going on that we just don't, that we aren't privy to. Maybe. Because he, he demanded a trade. And the the team decided to not uh, play ball at all, and then all of this other stuff happened after all of that. Like the timing is just too convenient for them, and it almost seems like you know somebody you know stopped him on the street or like came up to him in the parking lot and was just like, you know, if you say that you'll play for the Texans, this is all going to go away. <laughs> well, again, I, I don't really want to put my foot. And in... that's just you know that's just me being a conspiracy theorist and. Like, coming up with an exciting story. It's certainly possible, and the timing is very but odd. But it feels like yeah. something weird, you know, something is going on that we're not privy to still. Well, he's shown up to uh, to Texas uh, um, uh, Texans practices, and mostly because he would have faced fines of up to $50,000 per oh, day. so he's going to practice. Is he practicing? Are they letting him do anything? Well, he, he was to start, uh, and he was even taking reps at quarterback, but over the, the past couple days, he hasn't been practicing. Uh, he's not going to the games. He's not going to be their quarterback. Okay. Um, so Tyrod Taylor is the person getting most of the reps here. He's a veteran quarterback that most of you are familiar with. He'll be in his 11th year and has limited success previously. Yeah, keep those lungs healthy, brother. <laughs> well, that that unfortunate set of circumstances. <laughs> so crazy. Where, where his lung was punctured by a team doctor who put the needle in too far. Yeah. That's some crazy the stuff. Dr. Brian Herbert. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so uh, Taylor's camp performance. Another, another conspiracy theory. T- 
Taylor's camp performance so far has been considered solid, and he'll most certainly be under center for week one. Uh, but unfortunately for Taylor, uh, the wide receiver that they just got that was going to be a, a supportive cast member uh, over there, Anthony Miller from the Bears, was carted off the field just a couple days ago with the dislocation of the right shoulder. Oh, man. Now, that's an injury that Bears fans will be familiar with. Now, I believe that he's had a shoulder injury while playing football four times, maybe more, uh, if we go back to college. And it's likely that we'll see a ton of Brandon Cooks this year. Regardless of who is at quarterback, I feel like Brandon Cooks is going to be a good PPR wide receiver. Of course, better with Watson. But he's the only receiver on that team uh, of, of a, a good merit. Oh, So, okay, so I just Google Anthony Miller, Miller shoulder, shoulder injury. Yeah. April 4th, 2019, Anthony Miller gruesomely details how bad his shoulder injury is. Oh, my gosh. Uh, December 31st, 2019, Anthony Miller to go undergo surgery on left shoulder. Um, May 12th, 2020, Anthony Miller rehabbing his left shoulder again. Just, Four days ago, Anthony Miller to undergo our MRI. You know, we're, we're from the Chicago area, and Anthony Miller has had a lot of promise, but he's one of those guys that just can't stay healthy, and it's unfortunate. Oh, speaking of Bears wide receivers that had promise but couldn't stay healthy, and it's unfortunate, oh, yeah. Kevin White got signed by the Saints today. Oh, after he was dropped like a couple <laughs> days ago by another team. Yeah, I think by the Cardinals. That's what the Saints need is Kevin White. Yeah, well, I mean, he was on the depth chart, but I, you know, when I'm talking about taking a flyer on guys, I'm not talking about Kevin White. Yes. Uh, there is a rookie there that, that I think is going to be pretty good named Nico Collins. Uh, he's been impressing in camp as well. Um, so, so look out for uh, Nico and for Brandon, uh, regardless of the quarterback Is there anybody situation. on the Texans who you're interested in drafting? Well, I, I think I just said. I, th- I think Brandon Cooks Brandon is Cooks. A, a great wide receiver. Uh, Nico is a rookie who has a chance to get a whole ton of receptions in this offense as a possible WR2 with Anthony Miller being injured. Uh, Kiki QT is interesting, but Anthony Miller coming back will uh, probably put him on the bench. I don't really like Until the he injures his other shoulder. I don't like the cavalcade of uh, of old running backs that they have. Mark Ingram, uh, David Johnson. But it looks like Philip Lindsay might be the guy who is getting more reps than anybody else. What about Rex Burkhead? No. <laughs> so Lindsay, I just had to bring them all up. Lindsay might be an interesting uh, a take on that team. Um, but the Texans are going to have trouble this year. I think everyone knows that. It doesn't mean that they can't have fantasy relevance with a couple guys because they're going to be coming from behind all the time. There's always someone fantasy relevant on every team. It's very true. It's hard to pick on these bad teams at the beginning of the year, but you know the good money would be on Brandon Cooks at the moment because he is by far the best player on the offense at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's just not it's not just money, right? He was good last year. He'll be good this year no matter what happens. He's kind of going to end up being that guy that gets all of the targets. So yeah. uh, the rookie quarterback that they drafted, Davis Mills, selected in the third round to become a future starter in Houston, uh, is kind of the guy that they're looking at as their future in general. Uh, but it doesn't look like from the game that he's played and the camp performance that he's someone that could step into the role above Taylor. Um, and Jeff Driscoll, who they also have, just because they kind of wanted to have a whole big quarterback room, um, <laughs> has already been cut from two teams in his three-year career, and he doesn't look like anyone who's going to stick around. So the way that I see it, it's Taylor with uh, Davis backing him up, uh, Deshaun Watson probably not playing the season, and like we mentioned, Brandon Cooks being the only major fantasy-relevant asset on that team. Perhaps yeah. Philip Lindsay, but a team coming from behind is not going to have a whole lot of opportunities to run the, the ball. The only one worth drafting is going to be Brandon Cooks. The rest, 
keep an eye on the waiver wire, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, some other rookies, uh, some guys that have a chance to start, and we can start with uh, the Chicago Bears situation. Sure. Like every year, there are going to be a lot of rookies that wind up starting. It was an inter- interesting day on Saturday in the NFL. Four different rookies got their very first taste of NFL action, if you will. Uh, so here in Chicago, we have Andy Dalton versus Justin Fields, and Justin Fields, it's kind of the consensus that he was the most impressive of the rookies on Saturday. It is preseason. It's the very first time that they were out there. But, hey, um, you know, when you do well, you do well. And you should uh, hang your head on it and move forward. So Nagy and the Bears coaching staff are still hedging. And they're saying that Dalton is their starting quarterback. I think that's the right approach. There was an injury today. Um, I couldn't get the exact. um, Tevin Jenkins is the left tackle. He's going to have back surgery. So that's a huge deal. They did release... Charles Leno earlier in the se- earlier in the year, who was the backup left tackle, um, so they're they're going to have a problem losing their left tackle in camp. Obviously, protection was a problem for the Bears this year. Um, I, I, we did write this uh, little blurb about Justin Fields before uh, they lost their left tackle, so that's going to be a huge deal. I think that losing the left tackle makes it more likely that Andy Dalton plays more. Um, even though perhaps Justin Fields is better equipped to have a bad line because of his scrambling ability. But you don't want a young quarterback to only rely on his legs and be running for his life the whole time in his first year. That doesn't teach him how to be a good, long, you know, lifelong quarterback. Sure. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I understand where the Bears coaching staff are coming from when they still say that Dalton is their guy, even though it's pretty clear that Justin Fields is going to be the guy very soon. Uh, but you can't say that about him until you're absolutely right. So th- the big thing here is that the Bears play the Rams in week one. And it would be a big mistake to roll out fields against Aaron Donald, uh, a guy who's going to catch him, a guy who's going to smash him, uh, when you can sacrifice Andy Dalton to Aaron Donald instead. It's going to be a really tough game for the Bears to win. It'll be the first time that the Rams get to play in their new stadium with any fans at all. So it's, they're going to be pumped up. It's going to be a huge Sunday night game to start the season. Um, going to be a really big deal. I think that the Bears could show well, but they're going to have Andy Dalton, so they're not going to win the game. And even with Justin Fields, I think it'd be really hard-pressed to win. You know, rookie quarterbacks don't win on the road in the NFL anyways, certainly not in their very first start. So we're going to see Andy Dalton sacrifice to Aaron Donald. What's nice for the Bears is that any of the next three games against Cincinnati, Cleveland, or Detroit have a much better chance for Justin Fields to find some success. So he could still be starting before the month of September is over. Um, but for right now, I do believe you're going to see Andy Dalton as the starter. I don't think Andy Dalton starts more than four or five games, unless he's 4-0 and or 5-0. and Then, you know, he'll keep playing. And I just listed a bunch of easy games that they're going to have. So it's not out of the realm of the possibility that he's 4-0 and or 3-1. and um, provided he survives the first game, I happen to like Andy Dalton still. I think that he's you know still a good veteran quarterback. That he was um, he was number thirty one uh, in twenty twenty in fantasy points, even though he only played eleven games, uh, and he's still riding that Andy Dalton line as far as I'm concerned. You know he he did a decent job with the Cowboys. I think with uh, since he's a starter, I would agree that yeah, he's still an Andy Dalton line. So so I don't think the they're line. I don't think they're putting in fields unless there's an injury or a, a, he loses the games. 
Right. Um, but I but I do agree with you that at some point this year you will see Fields. I'm not sure if it'll be in four games, but um, Andy Dalton's not you know a spring chicken. So. Right. I mean, if Andy Dalton looks absolutely like garbage in the first game, and it's not just because of a bad offensive line, then it's going to accelerate the process. But if he acquits himself well and he wins two or three of those next games, you know, Justin Fields will play, but not till like November. And now I think in super flex leagues, you got to own Justin Fields because his floor is going to be very high. So I think he still needs to be drafted in super flex leagues. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you'll find him on the waiver wire along with a lot of these other guys that we're going to mention as well, Correct. because it's likely that they play at some point. Uh, depending on the situations with the incumbent starters. All right, uh, well, you want to move over to San Francisco? Yeah, so uh, 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan has said throughout the offseason after selecting Trey Lance, who was their third overall pick in this year's rookie draft, uh, that Lance will have a, uh, in quotes, tough time becoming the starter this year. Now, I think that's just coach speak, like it always is. Coach sure. speak is... Coaches is, open their mouth, it's coach speak. It's omnipresent during this time. Uh, especially because they don't want to piss off those people that are already on their team. And when you look at Garoppolo, he's going to make over $24 million this year as the quarterback of the 49ers. They already signed him. He's already going to make that money. Right. And, and he's so been paid that money, probably. They, they had an opportunity earlier this spring to uh, release him from their team. They did not do that. Uh, what that means to me is that Garoppolo will probably be the quarterback uh, for quite a while there, depending on his performance. Let's look at uh, the details. So Garoppolo was the quarterback just two seasons ago when the 49ers made it all the way to the Super Bowl. They did lose to the Chiefs 31-20. to uh, Garoppolo had questionable play. Uh, at that time, he was still a newer quarterback that had been traded from uh, the uh, Patriots to the 49ers. And I think uh, there, there was a... a you know, a season full of injuries, etc. But Lance, on the other hand, has been flashing highlights in practice. It looks like he's the guy, at least in the upside way, that uh, that they were looking for. Uh, he had an 80-yard touchdown play uh, just this past weekend to wide receiver Trent Sherfield uh, in the preseason game. But yeah. but when we talk about these great plays that these rookies made, <laughs> a lot of times they are going up against, uh, you know, not-so-great players. Right, let's remember preseason game. Yeah, so... You, <laughs> Again, like we always say with rookies, it's important to take it with a grain of salt. Um, it's certainly possible that, that someone is just going to take off and, and keep running forever. Um, but when you're playing in the actual NFL against players that are not just sitting because uh, those coaches know that they're going to kick some ass during the game, yeah. um, it's going to be a different story. So Lance continues to show his upside in those practices, but Garoppolo is far better at situational football. According to the beat reporters, that are on the sidelines all day during practices, uh, they think that Garoppolo has impressed in all of those circumstances that you need in those uh, in those two minute drills, um, you know, game winning, come from behind sort of situations. And those are the ones that Trey Lance didn't have. He played in college at North Dakota State. He blew out teams almost every single game, <laughs> and so he's not familiar with being down by ten in the fourth quarter with four minutes left. Right. You only have one timeout left. Yeah. So he's going to have to learn, and I think it's going to take longer than the preseason to learn that stuff. Um, I know the 49ers traded up to get Lance, traded three first-round picks, left them without a first-round selection until 2024. But my money is still on Garoppolo playing for his life, 
being the quarterback this year, and the 49ers are, it's not unlikely that they get pretty far in the playoffs with Jimmy G and that they simply, you know, turn away from Jimmy next year uh, and turn to Trey Lance. However, we have seen Garoppolo be out for a whole season. Like we talked about with Dalton, if Jimmy G goes out there and loses four games in a row, if he gets injured, Trey Lance is going to be their guy. But these these teams that, that mortgage their future for a rookie quarterback don't yeah. want to put them in immediately. I agree. I think that it's best to let them sit for a year. Patrick Mahomes sat, Aaron Rodgers sat. Yeah. You know, a lot of these guys who are all-time greats, they sat for a while before they played. If they can, it would be great if he had Obviously, a season. Obviously, you know, Peyton Manning played in his first season. Yeah. So it's not like you ha- have to sit. No. Um, but, you know, most of these guys aren't Peyton Manning. So I agree with you. I think Garoppolo will wind up being the quarterback for the whole season there. If if he can, I think he will. Yes. You know, it's going to be his job to lose. Yeah. Whether it's through health or performance, it'll be it'll be up to him. Well, his job's actually to win, but he might not carry through on that, <laughs> you know. His job is to complete passes. Well, he he has a great defense. The win got... may not come down to his you know, he's got a lot of good players on that offense and defense to carry him, so he only needs to be above the Andy Dalton line to keep his job. I agree. Yeah. And at $24 million a year, you better be above the Andy Dalton line. Uh, you should be, yeah. And they only have him under contract for one more year, and the dead cap for next year is only $1.4 million, so he is an easy cut for next year if it comes to it. Yeah, that's my point. I think that Trey Lance becomes the quarterback of the future in San Francisco in 2022 unless something happens this year that forces the hand uh, to put Trey Lance there. But based on all the capital that they had to spend to get him, he's clearly their guy for the future. Correct. Um, but it would be so great, as it always is, like we just talked about, to have that guy behind someone who's uh, more of a, a veteran. Yeah, so. and part of the idea is we're going to be a good team. Our first-round picks aren't going to be worth as much. Yeah. So that's why they were able, you know, they probably didn't hesitate so much to trade them up. That's true. To get up there. Um, another another matchup, Cam Newton versus Mac Jones. So uh, when asked about whether he was going to start in week one for the Patriots at a press conference this past Monday, uh, he was given the question. Cam Newton said, y'all sitting up here asking silly questions to me, and I'm looking at y'all with the same thing. I don't know what y'all want me to say. You know. You know that. You know he hasn't said that. So for you to just ask the question, it is what it is. You know, you, you just need a goofy hat, and you really got the Cam Newton down. Thanks. I was just channeling a little Cam there. Uh, it's clear from Cam, from Belichick, from the the beat reporters, from the press conferences that there is no QB one spot that is uh, that is called out and named so far for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. They drafted Mac Jones as the 15th overall pick. He could easily slot in uh, Mac Jones as the quarterback this year with Cam Newton's performance last year, which was not that great. Um, the stats after the first preseason game, Newton went four for seven for 49 yards and Jones went 13 for 19 for 87 yards. We're not getting a lot out of that. Yeah. Jones played, had more playing time. He'll probably continue to have more playing time because they want to see what he can do. Um, but in, in practice, uh, they had a scrimmage session, uh, just yesterday with the Eagles, right? Uh, Newton went 13 for 15 and Jones went 13 for 14. (laughs) Now this is a good battle. It's actually shaping up to be one of the best battles that I've seen. Yeah, I believe they play tomorrow night. So, uh, you know, kind of an island game. Yeah, so so check that out. It's going to be interesting. Uh, notably, one of the... Uh, did e- we just tell people that preseason is going to be interesting? I like preseason. Nobody's going to believe us. I like the first half of preseason game. I like the idea of preseason games. There's no reason to watch the last half. <laughs> There's no reason to actually watch the games. 
Uh, again, I, I disagree. I know. I, I'm joking. Especially for you in like in two dynasty leagues, you know, you got to do it. I kid, I kid. Yes, yes, yes. It's just brutal to watch it. Little dog, little joke. I know. So uh, notably, the Eagles kept calling Cam the checkdown king. Specifically, one of the uh, I think the secondary from the Eagles was sort of uh, razzing him throughout the the practice, and it was getting to him. We know we've seen Cam crying on the sidelines. You know, one of the reasons why. Uh, Cam Newton is not the guy that he used to be is because psychologically stuff has gotten to him. And I think that's still happening. And being, uh, you know, Bill Belichick's quarterback cannot be helping. Cannot be helping him. Yeah, I don't know that Bill Belichick is going to be the kind of guy to, like, coach him up psychologically. Right. But uh, I think... Maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe. If we look at Belichick historically, it's more likely that Cam will be the one lining up to start on September 12th against the Dolphins. I would not. I would not be surprised if if Bill Belichick was like, "Well, mental health is important, <laughs> and you need to, you know, you need to take some you time, Cam." Yeah. I Belichick tends to favor the veterans. Whatever will help him win, I think is what he would do. Well, one thing he tends to do is not start the rookies, not, uh, you know, so, so it's more likely that Cam is the starter there, but I think that Cam has such little wiggle room that he probably can't move his arm out from under his chest. Um, you know, he's, he's spelunking right now. That is not much wiggle room at all. He's, he's cave diving. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's in a bad, he's in a bad position. So interestingly, there are news reports out of camp, uh, and this will, uh, camp, camp, and this will uh, probably uh, harken back to what you were talking about with uh, Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, that uh, Bill Belichick has been slotting either of them in each other's series for like small, just one-play things. And it's possible that maybe they bring in Mac Jones, or maybe Mac Jones has a series and they bring in Cam Newton on the goal line. Because you know, one of the good things about Cam, for example, is that he has uh, historically had pretty good red zone figures because no one can really defend against him. Right. They they have to stack the box because he'll run and then he can just toss it to a tight end. Yeah. Now he's got two tight ends. Um, so well, <laughs> not well, on the field at the moment. Zero at the moment. Yes. Maybe two in theory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think this one's still anyone's game based on preseason performance, but I wouldn't put it past Belichick to sneak those guys in, uh, you know, during a live game. Yeah. Not as much necessarily as uh, happens in the Saints. Definitely not as much. So back in the seventies, I believe, um, a couple of famous guys tried this. They tried the rotating quarterback, the relief quarterback. Um, I'm not a, sure. A coach named Tom Landry and a quarterback named Roger Staubach. I'm not sure the 70s has tried any doing that. Bearing but but on what I'm football. saying is, one of the best quarterbacks in history, one of the <laughs> most well regarded coaches in history, Bill Belichick definitely would be very aware of this. They tried the whole rotate the quarterback thing back then. Yeah. It didn't work to the tune that, like, nobody tried it again for 30 years sure. until uh, really now, like, I mean. Persistently, anyways. No, I'm I, sure that people have uh, swapped. We saw like Rex Grossman and uh, Kyle Orton swap back and forth a little bit, but nobody's really persisted in uh, doing it game after game, you know, until Sean Payton. I totally get it, but 50 years ago. Yeah, it yeah, it is almost 50 years ago now. So yeah, but what I'm saying is that Belichick remembers. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not wrong about that. <laughs> uh, he certainly does. So uh, let's touch on a few more rookies. Uh, according to the notes, it's Trevor Lawrence. Belichick. So we'll call him Trevor. How about that? Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, will they be starting right away? 
So Trevor Lawrence, he started the first preseason game for the Jaguars. Uh, his very first play was a sack. Welcome to the NFL, you rookie. Uh, in his defense, Gardner Minshew was also sacked on the first drop back of the game. You're not trying to get Minshew to start over. I am not. I'm just saying that, <laughs> look, it's probably a bad offensive line, and they played the Browns, and the Browns uh, um, have improved on defense this year. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, so I think it's pretty clear that Urban Meyer is going to start Lawrence right away, given the fact that uh, Gardner Minshew was the best quarterback in uh, the rest of the group. Yep. And Gardner Minshew is not a choice of Urban Meyer in any way, shape, or form. Nope. So, um, you know, what you're going to see is growing pains for the Jaguars' offense. They're not going to be uh, very good in the first quarter of the season, is my prediction. It's going to be a lot of just kind of learning what's going on. Um, this is going to be another rebuilding season for the Jaguars. I don't think they're going to win only one game like last year. I think they could win five or six games. Um and Lawrence is definitely going to be relevant in Superflex Leagues. His ADP right now is, I believe, quarterback 14. So he's definitely going to be uh, used. But you may not want to rely on him being the starter right away. You might want to pair him with a Jimmy Garoppolo or an Andy Dalton or someone who you know will be starting at the beginning of the year, even a Cam Newton. Um, and those are guys who you can get even after uh, you draft Trevor Lawrence. So if you are in a Superflex League and you want Trevor Lawrence on your team, make sure you have a guy who you're comfortable with starting with uh, in the first month of the season uh, until Trevor Lawrence really starts to settle in. Mm -hmm. So the Jaguars do have a good schedule uh, in September. They play the Texans and the Bengals in the first month of the season, so that could help out Trevor Lawrence uh, in getting used to everything and getting uh, Mr. Etienne alongside him. I think you've mentioned the Bengals a couple times as like an easy team to beat. I'm not sure they're going to be an easy team to beat this year. Uh, you know, uh, last podcast I talked about how much I liked the Bengals to be a good team, and then for two weeks it was just stories from camp about how terrible the Bengals were. It's stories from camp, you know. And so I, I don't know what to believe, <laughs> but I feel like the Bengals have focused a lot on their offense, and their defense is still not going to be that great. Yep. And what I'm looking at today is you know, guys playing against the Bengals defense okay. uh, in order to, you know, have a lower, below average competition to sort of get them into the flow of the NFL. Well, we don't care if a team loses or wins. We just want... Uh, I do not care unless I bet on them. We just want... <laughs> unless I got the Browns plus seven. We just want uh, minus the seven. players that we have selected to score more fantasy points. Correct. So, yeah. Then my opponent. Well, then, all right. I, I hear you. And if the Bengals have a good offense, well, that's just more chucking that Trevor Lawrence has to do. Or Look, Trevor Lawrence. give me all the offense and none of the defense, and there will be more points for everybody. No defense anymore. We're taking it away in the NFL, yeah. Yes, we're going to remove it from fantasy football. <laughs> so, Zach Wilson, another rookie for the Jets. He started the first preseason game as well. It's really hard for me to think that Mike White or James Morgan, who are those guys again, uh, are going to be starting over him uh, when week one rolls around. So, Zach Wilson led a field goal drive and then a turnover on downs. He played for just over a quarter, just two drives. He was 6 of 9 for 63 yards. Truly uninspiring. So, Wilson's ADP is quarterback 27. Um, for depth, he will be taken at the end of Superflex drafts. Obviously, as we keep saying, all the quarterbacks are going to be owned in those kind of drafts. But I don't like how this looks for the rest of the Jets' fantasy players. So, the relevant names on the team, Corey Davis, Tevin Coleman, Keelan Cole, Jameson Crowder, Elijah Moore. Um, I don't look forward to drafting any of those guys. 
I, I don't want any of them on my team. I think that there'll be people who we pay attention to on the waiver wire for sure. Because um, one or two of them are going to be relevant, just like we've said about the Texans and all the other bad teams we're talking about tonight. I think you're underestimating how many times the Jets are going to have to throw the ball to Corey Davis and Jameson Crowder and Elijah Moore. That's great, but I mean, I, I'm i not looking forward to drafting them is what I'm saying. I'll pay attention to them as waiver picks, but I, I have no idea. This team could be I, okay. I don't see them being on the waiver wire, but I know what you're saying. And this team could be terrible. Th- there are also, there are also um, you know, uh, there's some validity to... Uh, to marking those players that you don't want. And whether you're right or wrong, uh, you can't take everyone and you don't want to take everyone in a draft. True. So if you don't like their situation, and it's not, you know, I'm not aghast at you because you, you because don't I like... I think the Jets are going to be bad. You don't like the Jets situation with a new quarterback <laughs> and a new running back and new wide receivers sure. and new coaching staff. Sure. I get it. I think they'll surprise... But even if they surprise, they may still be in the the bottom quarter of, of surprise. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I get it. The bottom quarter of surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're not world beaters. So perhaps if they show well in the next few preseason games, they could move up the ADP or at least move on to the ADP radar. Imagine the 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 Jets hype. Yeah. Yes, like three guys. Like one of them is the guy who wears the fireman's outfit at the games. That's right. Corey Davis in an all leopard onesie, uh, <laughs> catching touchdowns with one hand. I can't wait till the wide receivers come out of college in five years catching uh, footballs with zero hands. It's going to be amazing. Oh, yeah. Did you see the play in the CFL? The guy who uh, caught the ball without catching it? So it was a throw. Did you just ask me if I saw a CFL thing? It, it was a viral <laughs> highlight. Uh, throw over the middle and the receiver is not looking yeah but it the ball just landed tucked into his arm well all right i mean the quarterback couldn't have placed it any better they always say that but literally no quarterback has ever placed the ball so well as just throwing it so the guy doesn't even have to catch it (laughs) and he scored a touchdown on the play all right i'll have to check it out yes i can break my rule and watch one cfl we'll 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 tweet that one out (laughs) um so a couple of guys who were on the radar um, for, you know, people are asking about this, right? Uh, players who don't want to get vaccinated. The two that came to mind, I don't know if they're the only two, are Kirk Cousins and Lamar Jackson, who have both spoken out about the fact that they don't want to be vaccinated. So, is it a hot-button issue? Is it a no-brainer? They are not, by the way, the only people in the NFL. There's no, no, so many but of them. As yeah. far as, like, starting quarterbacks who are going to be drafted in fantasy leagues, mm-hmm. these are the two that p- stuck out to me. Congratulations, by the way, to the Atlanta Falcons, who are 100% vaccinated. Um, I support that. So, um, I don't understand why guys are okay with having their bodies uh, you know, put in danger and get concussions, but don't want shots. Anyways. Um, well, it's not mandatory in the NFL. I would have, it is not. So, they don't have to. Correct. So, I think I would have regardless of the COVID situation, avoided most of the Vikings and the Ravens anyways, just because I'm not a big fan of either team at the moment. Well, Lamar was number number four overall quarterback fantasy points last year. Okay, there's a few players on each team that are interesting to me, uh, like a Mark Andrews or like Justin Jefferson. And Kirk Cousins was number 11 overall quarterback fantasy points. Mm -hmm. So it's not like these are the Jets here. But with the way that the league has (laughs) set up its rules this year, uh, it is basically a strategic advantage for you to have your vaccine, and these guys are refusing to uh, 
go along with that advantage. Um, so the the fact that they're far more likely to spend a few weeks away from the field because they get sick or because they're close to someone who got sick, um, uh, that's something that I don't want to deal with. It's something that I want to leave in 2020 that we had to deal with all last year in, in fantasy football. So I, I don't think that uh, I will be drafting you know Kirk Cousins or Lamar Jackson. So I don't care because there's an extra dimension of you know possibly not playing. I, I have uh, I have no stock in, in uh, whether someone wants to get vaccinated or not. It's not mandatory, so they don't have to, you know. And right. I, I I don't I don't like to stretch out these kinds of conversations anyway. However, uh, why don't you go into more detail about the NFL's new policy, for example, where uh, if a team uh, is unable to play, is it, or or if a team uh, has too many people that are on the COVID list, they just forfeit the game, right? Okay. Yeah. Um... So that's where I can understand where maybe this is uh, more of a strategic thing when drafting. So the NFL has told teams... You don't want not, to be on the wrong side. We do not anticipate adding a 19th it's week. big news from the league office today. You got to mute those tabs, Sarah. my friend. Yep. I got it covered. <laughs> it, it, it took so long to load that I thought I was safe. Okay, so basically what they've said is that... Um, Players on both teams will not be paid for a lost contest. The team responsible for the canceled game due to unvaccinated players will cover financial losses and be subject to potential discipline from the commissioner's office. So, if a team has players who con- who, who decide not to be vaccinated, and then those players in turn uh, become infected to the point where they have to cancel the game, then it is an automatic loss for that team. Right, and I, and I, that's that's a bad thing for the organization, for the player, for the team, right. etc. And the players but, on that team will not get paid, and that team will be financially responsible for essentially paying the winning team. But unless I'm missing something, there's not like some document somewhere that says, these are the players that have been vaccinated, and these are the players that have not. I'm sure that the NFL has that, but... It's not, it's not, we're not privy to that. We're not privy to that. We're only privy to the people who have chosen who have either been asked and answered it or have chosen to speak out about it in the first place sure well i don't want to make it a personal thing in fact i don't have a problem with playing kirk cousins or lamar jackson or anybody but i think what jason's point is and it makes sense is that um they may be slightly more likely to be missing games and that's not our intention as fantasy football team managers to have any players that miss games right and as we found last year it could be some serious last minute shit that You know, you're not you're not privy to it until Friday night, Saturday night, and then all of a sudden you're scrambling to fill in for them. That's true. I, I that was a headache last year, and even though it didn't happen very often, um, or team or when the games uh, got postponed or whatever, I don't want to deal with any of that. So <laughs> I will just be avoiding the Kirk Cousins, Lamar Jackson sort of um, orbit this time around. The orbit. The orbit around Kirk Cousins. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the plexiglass container that holds Kirk Cousins. Well, we we have very little info about that stuff, uh, you know, although to say that, um, that most teams uh, have uh, encouraged their players to get vaccinated because that's simply good for... Uh, for their likelihood of, of having uh, the ability to fill a full roster. Sure. And from a fantasy perspective, being vaccinated is a positive thing. Um, but again, there's no tags uh, that we have for those players. <laughs> right. We don't know who's who. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the only players I know about are those two and Cole Beasley. 
There's a lot of them. I'm sure that there's a lot, and if you did a lot of, I'm sure someone somewhere on Reddit has already compiled this list. It, it can't be. But a, you don't have any way of knowing for sure if it's right. We are not making any lists here. No. At Drink five. Okay. <laughs> not happening, Jay. Not, not happening. <laughs> so, um, I, I do believe like players are also allowed a much larger amount of freedom when they're on the road if they've been vaccinated. Like, they can pretty much just return to normal if you've been vaccinated. And if you're not, then you have all these restrictions and you have to go undergo all these testing. All right, well, all let's, let's move on from this. Kind so of it's it's a distraction on top of a risk that you're not going to play. You know, we, we had a season last year and we'll certainly have a season this year with even less people being out. So it's good news. Good news. That's true. <laughs> To fantasy football with us. To fantasy football with you. Ooh, I need some more. So these beers are from Odell Brewery. and Odell Beckham. Odell Brewery Jr. <laughs> if only Odell had a brewery. Maybe he does. So it's good behavior. And it, that's interesting. Crushable IPA. I don't know if the camera's getting that. But it's a good can there. All good things in balance. That's right. Only 110 calories. You only see beers bragging about it when it's low calories. There's no, like, uh, milk stouts with extra sugar that are, like, 380 calories for a 12-ounce beer. You mean, like, the thick burger from Hardee's? You want you want a beer to be, like, our beer is 460 calories, and we're proud of that. Sure, I want one... I, <laughs> You know, one just to be like, this is a fat boy IPA. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe that's a good idea. We could do some kind of bacon double imperial stout. It'll be great. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Well, I mean, not like in <laughs> August, but talk to me in November. Yeah, it's a it's a whole different thing when we get out of the summer season when we talk about beers. Um, right now, we're drinking some pretty light ones, but uh, delicious. Thank you, Odell Brewery. Um, we're going to talk about draft strategies here, uh, and I have a couple that I'm highlighting, just a basic theory and some conversation about it. So what I'd like to do is just talk about the theory uh, and then open it up for a short discussion. Uh, we, we don't have too long, but uh, there's, there's yeah. a couple things. We're talking about zero running back, zero quarterback, uh, drafting a tight end or a quarterback high, which is something that not most people do. Right. Uh, and then best available strategy. There, there are a lot of other ones as well. Uh, value over replacement and there's, there's, player. Uh, and, there's obviously um, crossover with all these. Yeah, you don't have to, to follow just one specific theory yeah. all the way. If you go anything. zero RB, you may do that because you're taking a quarterback high. Yeah. So the zero running back theory is that uh, quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends that are ranked higher in a given year show less volatility than their counterparts at running back due to injury. Um, the fact that teams could have running backs by commission yep. or by committee, committee, not by commission. <laughs> <laughs> they get commissioned based on how many touchdowns they've gotten. Le'Veon Bell would have loved that. Yeah. Uh, there is some discussion as to whether this strategy means not drafting a running back till the mid rounds, like we're talking about uh, five, six, seven, or if, if it means uh, selecting uh, top guys at other skill positions for the first three or four rounds. Uh, and only then opening up uh, the door to selecting your first running back. What I mean by that is, uh, when do you take your first running back? Do you take him in at 9, 10, 11? Do you take him at 5, 6, 7? The whole point of zero running back is that you're not taking one in the top couple rounds. Uh-huh. And, and so, for example, 
you could be comfortable with drafting Trey Sermon and Damian Harris this year. Uh, the running backs for uh, the uh, Patriots and uh, the 49ers. Um, I'm sorry, Dave. No one should ever be comfortable drafting and trying to start a Patriots running back. Uh, <laughs> no one's ever been comfortable doing it in the past. Not with Ramondre running uh, 10 times for 120 yards in the preseason. He fumbled too, but... but... But drafting those guys between rounds 8 and 10, you could take all the wide receivers, quarterbacks, and tight ends above that and then just start taking running backs there. Yeah. We've seen people have success with this strategy before. So what is your opinion on zero running back? Is it something that might be good this particular year? Because it is a year-by-year kind of case, by I, case. I've always been intrigued by this and never... Have you never actually done it? I, I have done it. I mean, for real drafts, I have probably done... What I mean, we've played for 10 years and... You know, I've probably I've done more than fifty, less than a hundred, like real drafts. I've probably done this five times uh-huh. total, and uh, I would say that it's really tough to keep the discipline of just waiting on a running back and waiting on a running. But back. what you have to do is not only just take two guys, but take like six guys, right? Because you just need upside guys because one or two of them will probably end up getting more. And, and a few times this has paid off and a few times it really hasn't. Yeah. So where I would execute a strategy like this is generally going to be if I am drafting in the middle of the first round. Like if my first pick is in the middle of the round because, you know, you've got Running backs are the first six ADP uh, slots. And then you've got Devontae Adams at WR7, Kelsey at tight end one for eight. Um, so if you're in that area where, you know, five or six running backs are off the board, you're not a huge fan of, like, Saquon Barkley, um, or, or you don't want to reach for Nick Chubb, then this is where you start with that zero running back strategy. Mm-hmm. If you're first overall, you're not going to draft zero running backs. Because you're going to take Christian McCaffrey, uh, unless you're in a super flex league. Um, yeah, uh, you don't have to, but you would trade that pick otherwise because uh, that's who's going to be taken. Yeah, but I don't know that. I mean, some leagues just don't even allow us trading. Well, those are dumb leagues. Well, for redraft leagues, I, you know, <laughs> to keep it simple, I, I think it's not completely unreasonable. Well, I don't think we're into very simple fantasy conversations. But <laughs> it's true. To your point, if if uh, you have I a, should say I understand why some leagues don't do it. If you have a 12 team league and you're drafting number 1 in a single quarterback PPR league, Christian McCaffrey is the first guy taken. Yeah, based on his history, I don't see why you could take anybody else. Yeah. So, that's but, that's that's good advice. Unlike, unlike past years, there isn't really anybody who I really want at number 1. But really want them or not, if if you because look his at his quarterback is Sam Darnold and I don't know what to do with that. I bet Sam Darnold's better than we think. He, I hope so. He was on a bad team with a bad coach. Yeah. But if you he sees ghosts though. But if you um But only in New York. <laughs> with if, Belichick. If you take the advice that you just gave, for example, then that makes sense because what you want in a running back is one of the guys that uh, is going to have the most amount of carries, is going to have 250-plus touches in the yes. season. And there's only a limited amount of those guys. So if they're all going or if you're going to have to pick at the end of a run... Really, everyone at the top, I would say, except for Kamara, are, are health-wise, given good health, they're a lock for 250. You just don't like Kamara. I, I don't necessarily no, agree with you. I just don't... Like relying on Kamara. He's a badass, though. I know, but he has a floor that's like three points. 
Uh, and for a guy that good, like, a floor of three points is really disappointing. I don't think that team's going to allow that to occur. No, he literally, like, with Drew Brees, like, he would have games where he scored, like, three points. Okay, well, regardless of that, to your point, uh, if you're if you're drafting in the mid to late first round, you may want to consider the possibility of a zero running back strategy because then you could either take a uh, high-end quarterback or quarterback and tight end, or you could just draft really good wide receivers and then let the upside guys fall to you later, which is really the whole point of the strategy. Yeah. But... It, you need to be, uh, again, as you said, um, you need to be a little brave uh, and uh, uh, and and not, you know, fall to uh, uh, the third round and pick don't a running back. Don't just reach for a running back in the third round because you don't have one. You have to wait till exactly. later. Yeah. You know. Okay. So last year in a, f- are we is drink five full PPR or half PPR now? I think we're half PPR now. Uh, in a half PPR league, his floor was five point seven points. And everybody loves him because he has games like in week 16 where he put up 54 points and he won a lot of people championships. Are you still talking about Kamara? Yeah. You, you're against Kamara. I get it. It's fine. But Alvin Kamara was the number two running back last year. I understand. So you can't really argue with that statistic. You know. I, I'm just saying I don't like the volatility that comes from him. Well, he averages 19.7 points per game. So I know, but his, his floor is very low. Were you a Kamara owner? No, I don't. I don't think I've ever had him on a team. All right. Well, <laughs> there's there's no Al, there's no Alvin Kamara for Jason. That's fine. The no peanut worries. gallery really likes Alvin Kamara. Let's move on to zero quarterbacks. So the theory behind that is that there are outliers most years, but in general, the difference between the number two and ten quarterbacks being drafted in uh, a uh, a league is not necessarily worth drafting a top five guy with the hopes that he will end the season at one or two. In 2020, if we look at fantasy points scored, Josh Allen scored the most fantasy points uh, with 405.06, an average of 25.32 per game. But the difference between Kyler Murray, who is number two, and Lamar Jackson, who is number 10, uh, was only two points per game. Less than that, actually. Um, So 390 to 341. If you look at the other skill position players from last year, there's a higher variance between that number two and ten of any other position than quarterback. It is the least variable position between those those uh, uh, players. Correct. So unless you can choose the top one or two guys, it's not worth taking them high up in a draft. And even then, like the top guy was only three points a game better than Lamar Jackson. Yes, but so it's not as if it's it's not. It's still not a huge advantage, in my opinion. But that's the whole point. Is this, that, is, this is all for one quarterback league. If you're playing in a single quarterback league with 10 to 12 players, maybe even 14, there's still going to be some guys on the waiver wire, even if everybody owns two guys. And what's interesting is in a Superflex, all of the stats we just gave you make the opposite true. Make them incredibly valuable right away. Yeah. Because you can start two of them, and the top 10 are all so great, they all have to go almost right away. And, you know, you get 12 quarterbacks drafted in the first two rounds. Sure. And then, and then we look at uh, if you have 20 guys taken, you know, uh, after that, uh, after, like, um, everyone has two quarterbacks in a 12-team Superflex League, then everybody else uh, is either not playing all the games that year or not having a very high points per game average or both. Right. And and so that's obviously not what you want. Yep. So um, I, I, I strongly endorse this strategy in a single quarterback league. I do it almost every time. So 
if if you like a particular guy for a particular reason, you're welcome to grab him. But statistically, there's no reason to do so. Correct. In fact, you're probably reaching in almost every case. Drafting a tight end or a quarterback high. The theory of that is that all fantasy players have different ideas how drafts should be handled, but sometimes there's there's something to be said for going and getting your dude. Uh, this year, for example, the top three quarterbacks for draft value, according to rankings of fantasy pros right now, uh, are Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Kyler Murray. And the top three tight ends for draft value are Travis Kelsey, uh, Darren Waller, and George Kittle. Now, because of the positional scarcity we just talked about uh, with quarterbacks is also true of tight ends, but more true of tight ends, it makes some amount of sense to grab one of those guys if you think that they might carry you through the season as the top guy. Uh, tight ends, for example, you have three guys up here, a couple guys below, and then just everyone else is very low uh, as far as how many points they're getting over the course of the season. If you miss on one of those guys, that one or two guy that you want, and this this applies more towards tight ends than quarterbacks based on our previous conversation, yeah. it's statistically better just to wait for the mid to late rounds when that value proposition for selecting players at the other skill positions, running back and wide receiver, uh, that you'll be playing more of each week is higher. But I will say this. You should not punt at the tight end position. You should not wait until all of the mid and late tight ends are gone too because then you'll be left with no one at all. So you don't if you miss on one, two, or three at tight end, my advice is please take uh, someone who is like 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Right. Don't just take the four because you've tried it. And don't take 15 Especially or 16 this year. or 17. I'm glad you asked, Dave, about Kyle Pitts. <laughs> uh, so if you guys go to our website, you're going to uh, see that we have the rookie report fact sheets out. Um, for all but the wide receivers. Wide receivers are coming later this week. Um, we've got running backs, tight ends, and quarterbacks. So uh, Sean pulled up this excellent stat uh, about the tight ends. So the average TE4 in the past five seasons has scored 195.6 PPR points. Only two rookie tight ends have ever scored more PPR points than that. Most recently, Keith Jackson in 1988. So Kyle Pitts is currently the tight end four in redraft leagues. So what, what Sean's getting at, what it means is that, as you might expect, and I'm reading from the article now, uh, any rookie tight end uh, uh, might as well just be um, called the Kyle Pitts article, right? This is this whole article is about Kyle Pitts. <laughs> um, so the best rookie tight end season is what you're going to need out of Kyle Pitts in order to make it worth drafting for him. And I'm talking like the best season in the last 30 years. Um, so it, it's possible, but his um, how many draft times? status is literally his ceiling at the moment. How many times have we talked about this? Like, Kyle Pitts is great, sure, but he's not going to fill his uh, uh, his cup for a couple right. of years. He's being, he's being drafted as if he will uh, reach his ceiling. Unless you're in a dynasty league, don't take Kyle Pitts as a number three tight end. <laughs> Very true. Some people are drafting him as like a number one or two. You want those players in your league. You want the hype lords. You know, you want those guys. Yeah. Because they're going to take these players that you don't need to take. You're right. Kyle Pitts could live up to his expectations, but the the statistical truth is that it won't happen. True. Very true. Um, best available. So the theory here is using your own rankings or rankings from an outside source like Drink5 or anybody from Fantasy Pros or even the ECR there, which is the expert consensus ranking, uh, only drafting the top player available at all times. Anything else would be uncivilized. I agree. This is what I do most. 
is best available because I feel it's the most adaptable to whatever's going on in the draft. So this Grey Poupon theory uh, is one that a lot of GMs in the NFL utilize. Why waste the opportunity to draft a more talented player that has better value just because you have a need at a different position or you don't like that player for various reasons or the team or the coaching staff? Uh, an advanced technique here to add on to that is to utilize tiers in your rankings. Yes. Because uh, you may not want to draft the next guy in the overall rankings. Uh, if you have tiered each individual uh, skill position, then you can look over and say, well, since these guys are all below in like, you know, a tier three or four, there's still one wide receiver left in, in a tier, tier two. two. Sure. I should probably take him instead. So it's not really a need, but it's ranking someone higher in the tiers that they exist within their own position. It's yeah, it's, it's using, it's using the value of a player, uh, as the deciding factor rather than saying I have this position open on my team still, or you know, or something, or, or or just matching up with whatever the sheet tells you to take next. Yes, and this is super subjective, right? Uh, and you may need to ignore positions depending on where the chips fall. Now, when I asked Jason, uh, since you said you utilize this strategy often, um, do you find yourself not drafting then, like a tight end, or not drafting a, a, a last wide receiver until like you you regret it, um, or are you able to utilize? Uh, trading within the league and uh, all the other options you have available to you to counter affect any of that uh, negativity that could have happened. I certainly will occasionally, like especially in a super flex league, go ahead and pick up that fourth starting quarterback because I know that I'll be able to trade them away. Um, so I'm not afraid to draft a position that I'm already strong at just because there's good value there. Or, or just because I have too much of it on my team. I'll go ahead and take that because I know either I'm going to get injured or someone else is going to have an injury and they're going to need one of those players. Yeah, the main problem with the, with the whole best available strategy is best available according to whom. Uh, your, your, your rankings that you're using are either your own or someone else's, but not everyone agrees with them. Uh, right. And certainly most people don't. And so you may draft the best available team, but you may find that no one wants your scrap players that you just picked and up. And some things that we uh, <laughs> have always recommended year after year is that you familiarize yourself with the main rankings, the ESPN rankings, the Yahoo rankings, whatever people in your league use year after year. Familiarize yourself with that. Find out where the differences are uh, in those rankings. Maybe and one they've got a guy, ESPN's got a guy at 70 that Yahoo's got at 40, right? So if everybody's using ESPN, you know that you can wait a little bit longer to pick up one of, to pick up that player. Yeah, and honestly, the best strategy, if you have the available time and resources to do so, would be to uh, set up a spreadsheet that has all of them, uh, or to bring several of them to your draft because you know there's going to be people that have ESPN rankings or Yahoo rankings or Fantasy Pros ECR rankings, yep. and if you have those and you're marking them all off during the draft, then you know what guys are going to be selected next. Yes. Unless you're in a team, in a league with all experts and they have their own individual rankings. But that's not very often that you come across that. Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, those are, I think, the main ones. Uh, I think the other thing that, uh, um, well, I think we discussed most of, of what we need to for, for today anyway. And you can always look for draft strategies online if you want to. Um, I, I really do like uh, the value over replacement player strategy. But it gets more complicated. There's an algorithm there. You have to figure it out based on the scarcity of the players and the point projected per the scoring rules for the league that you're in. Sure. Um, but if you're able to do that, um, that 
that's what you need to do, really. Draft someone that gives you uh, a higher value than anyone else that you can draft at that moment. Now, if you want to just go with your uh, with your gut value, um, you know, you need that third wide receiver, and if you don't get him now, it's, you're going to regret it forever. Then, then, <laughs> then do it. But but statistically, it's more important to uh, take someone that will have been taken in the next couple spots. Right. I mean, you know, to go back to the tiers for a minute, you're absolutely right when you say, like, okay, there's one guy left at the end of tier two, and then I've got, at this other position, all of tiers three and four. Yeah. If, if you skip taking that the end of tier two wide receiver in favor of a tier three running back, well, by the time you come around again, there may still be tier three running backs available. And as we've seen, like inside of tiers, the point projections shouldn't be that far apart. Mm -hmm. So always um, get your rankings ready ahead of time. Separate them into tiers by position. Uh, and you can go by tiers in, in the overall as well if you want. But uh, frankly, I throw away the overall after like the second or third round anyways and just go by position. Um, and, and I just use the overall as like sort of a guide as to... Uh, who's most likely to be taken next? Well, the the overall is another indicator of of tiers. Uh, it's just one that maybe you didn't make up yourself. That's very true. But uh, but yeah, I would encourage everyone out there to when you're using your rankings, um, please create uh, specific positional sheets as opposed to just going off one overall. And I think that's what Jason's talking about too. Right. Uh, because you don't want to be stuck in that situation where you're the guy that drafts the first kicker because he popped up on your sheet as 164. <laughs> and he's like, well, I have all my wide receivers filled out. I guess it's time for me to select the kicker. You know, Right, right. You pick your defense in the 10th round because you filled all the other positions. Well, look, if you're if you're doing a good job in drafting in, in any league, uh, then you're not taking Justin Tucker. Because Justin Tucker is selected by the players that do not do a good job. The just like the other positions, the difference between the kickers, the volatility in kickers is ridiculous because um, the people who end up the best uh, or in the top five are often like the 20th kicker off the board, well, which means they weren't drafted at all. Tucker has been very good, but you know sure, what, you know what you I get, mean. You yeah. get a Tucker who will be <laughs> top five every year, but he's not going to be number one every year. He might be five and four and six. Yeah, it's the value over replacement player where like you could have gotten that fifth wide receiver, but instead uh, you get Justin Tucker. Later in the year when two wide receivers are out and you have nobody to pick up, you have to play someone who is not good, yep. who's not going to score you any points. And yes, you might get that extra four points from Tucker, but your wide receiver is going to score it too. So. All right, well, I think we're kind of going <laughs> in circles now. Uh, so let's take this in for a landing. Uh, if you guys have any questions about your drafts, make sure uh, to go ahead and reach out to us or to... Uh, Join us uh, during our next live podcast, which will be on September 1st at 9 p.m. We will have the chat room going at that time so that you can ask us questions live. You can follow along with the podcast live. Um, before then, you can always tweet us at Drink5. You can uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Drink5, I assume. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Drink5 and ask us any questions. You can email Dave and I, Dave at Drink5.com. Or Jason at Drink5.com. Most of your information is right, but just go to Drink5.com and all that stuff will be there for I mean, you. if you find things that say Drink5, then it's going to be us. So it'll get to us. You can ask us all the fantasy questions you want. You can ask us about beer. 
about life, the universe, and everything. There you go. All right. We'll see you guys next in two weeks. Good night. Two weeks. Hello. 